0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Audrey kitsop Burtha is the newly appointed Chief Executive Officer of the Custodians Professional Hunting Association out of South Africa. You might not have heard of Custodians. They're five years young And they broke away from the Professional Hunters Association of South Africa, FASA, five years ago. They've been slowly building their mandate. And with Audrey's hire, they've really put a charge in place to communicate and collaborate and coordinate with hunting organizations pretty much around the world. So I wanted to have a conversation with Audrey. I wanted to get her fresh in her tenure as the CEO and ask her some hard questions about, you know, where they're going. And what is custodians? Who are they? How did they come to be? And again, where are they planning to go with who they are? Great conversation. Apologize for the dog in the background. Audrey was at her daughter's place in Neisner and really had no control over the dogs. So I appreciate Audrey. I appreciate the custodians uh, for what they do and enjoy the conversation. It's for conversation purposes only. And
2: conservation.
1: nice Nisner. is an awesome place.
2: It is an awesome place, but I'm here to look after my my um, my, my child's Well, She's 15 months old now. My daughter is marking uh, matric exam papers in Cape Town. And my son-in-law is working. So obviously, grandma is here to look after the household and the baby. So yeah, yeah, I am.
1: That's what grandmas are, like, perfectly exactly. built for.
2: Exactly. Um, I'm
1: hitting record now. You're live now, Audrey.
2: I'm live. I'm here.
1: You can't go back. <laughs> I know you're here.
2: And luckily, you can edit. Luckily.
1: Yeah, but we never edit these podcasts.
2: Oh, you don't. Good. All
1: Mm-mm.
3: right.
1: Is this your first podcast ever, Audrey?
2: I've done a lot of uh, video interviews and so on, so I've done it before. So it's um, some edit, some don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Audrey Boshoff, thank you for coming and being a part of the Blood Origins podcast. Had you you been to Morgans Bay before when we met each other in South Africa?
2: Oh, no, it was my first time ever. My husband comes from the Eastern Cape, but I... I must say, when I was a little girl, we lived in one little town in the Eastern Cape, and I was like between six and nine years, 10 years old. So no, I haven't been there before. It's beautiful, huh? Yeah. It's really beautiful.
1: Oh, it was amazing. I had, uh, I've never been to, I'd flown into Port Elizabeth, but I've never been to East London. I've never been to that sort of trans sky side of the world, the wild coast side of the world. And, um,
2: my husband do rock and serve um shark fishing mm. from this from from the rocks or cliffs or whatever. And I've been with him to two places in the so-called Tron Sky area at um, hole in the wall. And oh, yeah, I've heard about that. And another one. And yeah, but otherwise, I don't really know the Eastern Cape too well, but it was beautiful.
1: It was beautiful and a very well put on event by you and your staff at the Custodians Annual General Meeting. And I re- very much appreciate the invitation to come out.
2: Thank you. And your presentation went off so well. I think it's, it's a message that so many people need to be reminded of regularly. Now it went very well. Thank you, Robbie. And thank you, thank you for standing in so late on such short notice to do that presentation.
1: No, it was fine. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, I knew the presentation was good in terms of its message when the old Bullies and those that are not South African, uh, Bali in in South African is like old guy. Yeah, I know. Uh, came up to me afterwards and was like, we get it. We get the message. We need a change. I understand now the situation, the issue, which is amazing, right? The guys that just don't, aren't they didn't grow up around social media. They didn't grow up in the this new digital age are now getting it?
2: You know what? I believe um, if we want to see a hunting industry in 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, I even want to say five to 10 years from now, we must be acknowledged or the hunting industry must be acknowledged as being responsible and credible. So we have to promote sustainability and a credible industry. So people don't need to physically endure or, or support what we do. We, they don't need to become hunters, but we need to be acknowledged as being responsible and credible. Um, and social media can play such an important role that way. But as, as you've pointed out as well, social media can absolutely kill us in this industry.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Audrey, I'm not going to pretend to uh, say your last name correctly because I already messed it up once. Um, Audrey, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Will you just give a little short introduction to yourself and who you are and your brand new role in South Africa?
2: Um, yes, thank you very much, and thanks for the opportunity. I mean, I'm I'm really um, excited and privileged to. This is my first interview as chief executive officer of the custodians that is the custodian. Well I
1: bloody hope so because I was I've been standing in the queue for like <laughs> 2 months already
2: You did you did I was a I was appointed as a consultant for 3 months before they appointed me as CEO and during that time you asked me but as you know a consultant can't really I don't think it's right for a consultant to talk so obviously yes the first interview with you thank you very much So um Yes, the Custodians the, is the Custodians for Professional Hunting and uh, Conservation South Africa. It's a membership organisation with the primary mandate to serve the professional hunting industry. And um, I've worked in this industry before. I've been in the industry, or I would say, in the South African wildlife and hunting industry since 2001. Mm. And then after all wow. this- Almost 20 years, I retired. So, I started off at a local South African resident hunting organization with a primary mandate to look after South African hunters. And from there on, I went to the Professional Hunters Association of South Africa. What was
1: that organization before FASA? WRSA?
2: No, no, no. no. The, the first organization was KwaZulu-Natal Hunting and Conservation Association. So okay. I think, there's about close to thirty organisations in South Africa who, wow, primary mandate is to look after the local South African hunter, because it's a, it's a different mandate than professional hunting, and that's where mm-hmm. I started off, and that's where I started hunting myself. I didn't hunt before, so while I was with them, I also started hunting, but that's another story. So from then, I went to the Professional Hunting Association of South Africa, FASA. That was in 2010. While I was with KZN Hunters, I also became the Chief Executive Officer for the last two or three years that I was there. And I also represented them at the um, umbrella body, I would say, the Hunters Confederation of South Africa. But anyway, joining FARSA in 2010, Professional Hunters Association. And then at the end of 2015, I uh, joined Wildlife Ranch in South Africa. Mm, so okay. the WRSA. Of, yes, WRSA. I started off with a local hunting association, then I went to the Professional Hunting Association, and then I went to the to the game farmers. All voluntary membership organizations with Amanda to look after. A specific sector within the industry in South Africa. And then in October 2020, yes, I decided to step down and just take a rest. I didn't think I'll get back into the industry so soon, two years later. Um, I started a consulting organisation. I helped a few game farmers and I helped a few organisations, uh, with issues relevant to the industry. And then I was approached by the custodians to join them for with a very specific mandate of things that I was responsible for. And I joined them for three months as a consultant. And then I was requested and it was confirmed at the annual general meeting that they have appointed me now as chief executive officer on a two year term contract. I don't Mm -hmm. want to all of a sudden, enter into, into a too long contract. Remember, I was basically still retired. So now sure, I'm sure. Back to work. And um, yeah, I I'm I'm glad. It's um, some people ask me, but how can you? How you've been with Fazal? or you've been with KZ Hunters, then you've been with FASA, then you've been with WRSA, and now you're a CPHC. Well. I think in the old days, when I was young, my mom always said, if you have a job, you have a job for life.
3: Mm.
2: There's you see where you can grow. And I I think I've completed the circle, really mm. in all the sectors.
3: Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it common? Do you think, it? you know, you're obviously
1: a, a woman in the hunting industry in a very executive leadership position. You've held executive leadership positions in the past as a woman. I know Lizanne Nell is at WRSA, I think, right? Is that where she's at?
2: She's She's with South African Hunters and Game Conservation Association. So it's also an organization of Amanda to to serve the local South African resident hunter mostly.
1: Gotcha. It it, it seems like, you know, not to be not to be sexist or anything or anything like that but you know south african hunters the, the are, are very mass you know it's a masculine type industry in south africa specifically in my perception of it right only in
2: south and then africa here's, yeah, that's interesting um, no
1: no i don't think only in south sure. africa just because of my background right yeah, in yeah okay. um, uh, it, it's what do you think?
2: I think it changed. I think in 2001, when I first joined KwaZulu Natal Hunters and Conservation Association, um, all the, it was only ladies working in the office. So they mm. were there to do the admin and the finances and a little bit of marketing. And um, I then was appointed to do the finances and marketing, and I realized, but I can't market this industry if I don't understand what it's about. So I started, I did the, 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 the training for, uh, they called it a senior hunter's course and so on. And then eventually... I got a better idea of what it was about and it was then I was promoted and eventually I became CEO and I started going to meetings with government, with other organizations. And at that time I was the only lady around the boardroom table. Um, From the police side, there were senior officers and officials who were there, but from the industry side, I was the only lady and that was like that for a long Mm. time. When I joined FASA, in 2010, I was still the only lady that I knew of. We were, I was in a, in a managerial position um, in any of the hunting organizations. And even in 2010, as far as hunting is concerned, I mean, I wanted to buy some hunting outfits and I had to buy men's trousers.
1: For sure. Yeah, for if sure. they
2: would. Today, it's a different story. I'm not so sure how many ladies. Yes, you say Lizanne Now, definitely, she's she's um, recognised within ESA hunters uh, for the important role she plays, especially on conservation side. So she's she's right. absolutely amazing. But um, for the rest, I'm not so quite sure how many ladies are involved. But if you look through the full value chain, we've got ladies involved in the in hunting, in professional hunting, in taxidermy in export companies. Um, so, so, yes, I think maybe… You think you've seen a farm.
1: change since 2001 to it's today? It's
2: definitely grown. It's definitely grown. Even hunters, as I say, you know, it's, it's before a guy would have taken his wife and his kids along when he go hunting, but mom would stay back in the camp. Doing whatever,
3: hmm.
2: and the sun might have gone out with dad hunting. It's changed, really. It's, it's women, ladies, and I think that I wonder if that's worldwide. I think that they're much more involved, whether it's rifle, bow, handgun hunting, or whatever. It's, it's, the ladies are very prominent these days. So it's changed. I'm sure it's changed.
1: Well, women hunters are the biggest growing demographic of, of hunters in the United States, number one. And even more specifically, if we go to the state of Maine, over the COVID period, the number of women that became hunters in the COVID period was um, about a 5% increase that was greater than the four years prior to COVID combined
3: in one year.
2: Wow. But you know what? I wish we could say the same about the youth. But I believe, you know, I know. But if mom is going to buy into
1: mm-hmm. 100% support
2: hunting, or if mom supports going out for the weekend into the fell, not necessarily hunting, but just being in nature, then the child will be exposed to it. So in South Africa, for instance, we see the average age of hunters are really increasing um, because there are less and less. Kids growing up on a, in, in, in the rural areas on a farm, they, they're much less exposed to it. But if moms are going to start go, getting out into nature and if moms are going to start hunting, that will be the way that we can get youth interested into it again, because I wish those numbers would, would grow. I think that's very mm-hmm. necessary for the sustainability of this industry.
1: No, I totally agree with you. So you're at the helm of custodians now. Can you give I and you mentioned in the beginning there's like thirty different hunting organizations in, in South Africa. Is that still the case today or cause really all I heard about I know of WRSA, I know of FASA, I know of custodians, and yes, I've heard of but don't know much about and I know they do good work, Lazarne Nell's SA Hunters Organization. Is that pretty much the the top of the the, the pile in terms of people protecting hunting or is it still the 30-odd across-the-country kind of scenario?
2: Yeah, I think they all play a very important role. So I think you can divide it up. You have your organisations focusing on the local South African resident hunter. And, yes, ESA Hunters is there, but there's also all these other organisations. Um, we've got nine provinces and there are in some provinces, two or three organizations, hunting local South African hunting organizations. Most of them belong to and I refer to them as an umbrella uh, organization. It's a confederation. So you will have Kozulu Natal and then in the Eastern Cape you'll have two and you'll have maybe one or two in the Free State. So, and that's where I get to the city. It might not be completely 30, but it's all the local hunting organizations um, in the country and then, You've got the professional hunting organisations like FASA and obviously like the Custodians, which was formed in 2017. And then you will get wildlife ranching, which focuses their prime mandate. primary mandate is to, to look after the landowner, the producer, mm. the game farmer. And then there are other organisations like um, you have a national organisation for taxidermists. So right through the, value, the whole value chain, There's a lot of organizations who plays a very important role in, first of all, um, communicating with government, giving inputs into legislation or proposed legislation or policies or procedures or the way forward, norms and standards for hunting. So if you look at norms and standards for hunting, whether it's hunting itself or whether it's the export of the trophy, everybody needs to be able to have an opportunity to speak to government. Now, government can't speak necessarily to 30 organizations, but these organizations do have representation, or or maybe no, I'm wrong. Minister, our Minister of Environmental Affairs, she can't deal with 30 organizations. But you can have a forum where all these organizations and government, national, provincial sit together so that we can have an input. So it's a very important role that all these organizations play. And especially in the specific mandate that they serve, local hunting, professional hunting, taxidermy, exports, whatever, rifles, uh, firearm owners. Yes. And to promote- So there
1: is a forum, you said there is a forum in place in South Africa that has everyone come together that is able to communicate strategy and thoughts up to the minister?
2: Well, the forum, on the environmental affairs side, there is a national wildlife forum. It was formed by the Minister of Environmental Affairs back in 2005, past minister, with a purpose for industry and government to get together to sort out issues that need to be sorted out. Um, There are also such wildlife forums in some of the provinces, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. not in all. And there was at one stage (laughs) in 2001 when the new Firearms uh, Act came through, there was so much difference of opinion and understanding the law and everything about firearm ownership in South Africa. And then a forum was also, I think it was in 2005, where the forum was founded for industry and the police. To get together now, everything is going fairly well. I wouldn't say we still have problems, but but all the uncertainties that there were at that stage have been clarified. So I don't think that forum is so active anymore. And um, yeah, so I'm trying to think. I know that the taxidermists, for instance, at one stage had a channel open to our Depart- Department of Trade and Industry. So the forums are there. Whether they still work. Is mm. I'm not so sure. I think industries sometimes feel very frustrated mm-hmm. um, that it doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily get everything. We don't get everything we want. But then we also need to know one doesn't always get everything you want. So, but at least we have a way to communicate with government.
1: So. Y- are you the first CEO of Custodians, like true CEO of Custodians?
2: Yes, I am. I've been appointed. Because around, they're so
1: young, what have they done before this?
2: Um, they're so young, as you say, they were five. They're five years old, and I think the um, the executive committee have basically okay. decided to with they've had two ladies in the office, and they worked with the ladies in the office. But now we also know but the executive committee are mostly professional hunters and hunting outfitters themselves. So they yeah. are away from home or away from the office for the better part of, what, three to ten months a year. Mm-hmm. So they're not always there because, you know what, yeah, the roles, I would say, while the CEO and the, and the Exco are on the same team, they don't have the same roles. So, so where Exco would determine the long-term goals of the organisation, and the CEO gets direction from Exco and then executes and manage. And that I think there was a gap, and mm-hmm. the Exco realised that um, within the past year or two. And yes, they have the ladies at the office and they have the executive committee members, but the yeah the the execution and the management maybe just wasn't there, uh, the team wasn't full, I think that was what it came about and that's why they, they decided that they, need a, that they need a CEO. Yeah,
1: for a forward-charging individual that takes the mandate from the EXCO and says, okay, let me execute it and figure out how to execute it. So what is that mandate? You've got two years now in front of you, they've signed you on for two years, mm. I'm sure they've put you to work already, What is this mandate? What is this thing that custodians wants to achieve in the next, let's just say, two years? Because you've got two years under your contract.
2: Um, Definitely, first of all, to look at the governance side of the organization. Um, Then, obviously, communication with government and other stakeholders. And then, I think the management of, Um, the staff and the feedback and determining with EXCO the way forward and the strategy and so on. But you know what, I think the communication and collaboration um, is one of the very important mandates because, as I said earlier, there's a lot of organizations within South Africa and then we still have our international stakeholders and our partners that we work with, the international organizations. Um, here in Africa, we have the Outfitters and Professional Hunters of Africa, UFA, and then you have Dallas Safari Club and Safari Club International, and all, all the others. And there was a gap. And our chairman, uh, chairperson Sean Kelly, at our AGM, which was held end of November, has stated very clearly that we will work very hard this year in. Um, connecting again. Our theme for the, for the AGM was connect and evolve and connecting again and building up those relationships. You know what, organizations, there are different organizations, I suppose, because everybody doesn't agree on everything.
3: <laughs> Every
2: organization has a specific mandate or specific value or a specific code of conduct and so on. But there are so many things that we agree on that we have to work together, and that's, that's one of my prime mandates now, is to make that connection with other organizations, to identify with Exco where we have issues that we agree on and see how we can go forward to work together. Like I said earlier today, that um, we need to be recognized as credible and we can't do that if we each work in our own little silo. There are so many things that we agree on. Good. There are certain things that, that, that puts us apart from one another. Our custodians' um, values are very specific and very pertinent. And, we know, and so does every organization have their values. But we know that if a member, a professional hunter or hunting outfitter, They have an option. They've got a choice the day they decide which organization to join. And it could be CPHC, us custodians. It could be FASA. It could be any other organization. But they will join the organization where they feel that they fit into that organization's values Mm -hmm. and code of conduct. So that will also be, I think very much my role to promote out there what our values are and what we stand for, but that doesn't mean that we can't work with other organisations on issues that we agree on. And that's the only way that we're going to go forward. So I think governance and communication, collaboration with government as well, and then um, transformation at this stage is a very important way forward for our organization, um, so I think I'll play a little bit of a role there. We've got an ex member specifically for that um, portfolio, and I think that's quite, quite a lot of work to do over the next two years.
3: No, I agree, and I think
1: it's, you know, I think Custodians is now, you know, at the five-year mark, I think the growing pains are almost done. I think that they've sort of figured out exactly who they are and where they want to stand. Mm. And they probably have started beginning communications and relationship building between other organizations like Dallas Safari Club, like SCI, Mm. Mm. you know, whoever else. But really, they didn't have a dedicated person, as you said, to continue to like touch those individuals and engage with those because they would disappear, right? They have to go make a living. They have to go do their PhD. They have to go run their outfitting business. And so I think it's time for custodians to let people know who they are. And, um, you know, you guys have been around for five years. I don't know how many people know about custodians, right? And I think that's probably one of the key things tied to your job is... They figure might, that
2: you know. yeah, and I might know about custodians, but I don't know if I know the true story or the correct
1: mm.
3: story
2: of custodians because remember well, what when, is
1: the true story? What is the correct story?
2: Well, basically
1: you just talked about the truth of custodians, like the real story of custodians, so what is it? you've got a global audience right now. What is the truth? What is the real story of custodians?
2: Um, so the Castarius was formed in 27 by a group of people who felt at that stage that they did not completely agree with or could not live with. I don't want to say the values of the code of conduct, but maybe they couldn't live with the direction that the organization went to, where they have belonged at that stage. And I think that is a choice. All of us have a choice in life. You can decide mm-hmm. that I belong to this community now, and I have belonged to them for many years. But in years, over years, this community has taken a direction that I don't feel comfortable with anymore. And I believe that that is what has happened with custodians. A group of people have decided that they weren't comfortable at the... Place where they were at that time, and that they would like to then rather move away and find a place where they all feel that they belong and that they can steer it in the direction that they agree with, so looking back at that
3: um, yes it, one could say
2: that um people or individuals within the main organization that have existed might have felt negative and hurt about a group of people breaking away. The group that formed their own organization might have felt, you know what, we're going to do this. And, and it left them in a position where they still had colleagues and friends within the industry that maybe now they they're not at the same organizations anymore Mm -hmm. and in the beginning I think it created a, a bit of friction maybe even on personal level amongst people but as you say we've moved on it's five years later And what I have perceived now, and this is now coming in. Remember, I left FASA or I resigned from FASA to move to WRSA at the end of 2015. What I have now experienced coming back into the industry is a lot of those frictions are gone. People understand that there's two organisations and um, we can, if we're going to work hard at it, We can find ways that we can work together because there might be one or two things that we differ on. And the main area where we do differ on is on the hunting of um, captive bred predators or not the hunting of captive bred predators. That was the main reason for the break at that stage. But I think we've, we've, got, we've carried on now for five years later. We've got a code of conduct that people, when they do join the custodians, they decide to join the custodians because they can live with a code of conduct of custodians. And the code of conduct is basically about how, as a, as a custodian, you would behave, or not behave is maybe not the correct word, is how you will contribute towards the image of this organization.
3: Mm,
1: and I'm I was like
2: conducting yourself and your affairs in a manner. No, your conduct. Yeah, your conduct. And, and upholding standards and um, obeying and complying with laws and legal requirements and not, not misrepresenting yourself, um, not acting as a professional hunter or hunting outfitter where you're not licensed to do so. Now, many people will say, That code of conduct is similar to other organizations as well. So, what make you different? So, the difference is that the custodians members
3: would actually indicate
2: through accepting our code of conduct that they are not in any way involved in the shooting of captive predators, either as a professional hunter, a hunting outfitter a guide, a breeder, an agent, or a client. That's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. And then that they will not do anything that will bring the profession or the association or our country's image into disrepute, which I think the last one that I've just mentioned, all the other organizations will also support, basically. So, and that's why that's a real story, and that's a true story about custodians. And that is why I say there are so many things that we agree on with other organizations that I'm excited to, 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 during my term, to try and rebuild those relationships so that we can focus on what we agree on and work together when we speak to government or to other institutions so that we can be seen as a credible and a strong industry.
3: No, I like that a lot. I like that uh, you know. There's there
1: was certainly a a division back in the day Mm -hmm. um, of a differing of opinions. If you want to make it very simplistic, and more often than not, differing of opinions causes you know further division. People don't want to talk to each other anymore. As you said, there's a little bit of um, you know friendships lost, friendships Mm -hmm. broken up because of it. But you know if you look at society today and characteristics of society today, you want to be able to put differences aside for the greater good of what you believe in. And that essentially is what's going to happen here, is that custodians broke away from FASA, and five years down the road, now it's time for sort of not a reconciliation, but rather a hey, let's have a conversation. We, we, these are the kinds of things that we, we want to work together on and we want to be, you know, yes. we're, we're fighting for the same cause here. Yes, we have certain things that we, we don't agree on, and that's okay. We've, we've made that point clear. We don't have to say anything else about it. And we move forward. I love it.
2: And, yeah, communication, collaboration. You know what? If you One of the biggest challenges we currently experience in the hunting industry, I would say, it's not so much that they are not hunters who want to come to South Africa. We've seen it. We've seen after COVID that the, that, the, that, the, that, the, that the interest in people making hunting safari bookings in South Africa has increased. It's picked up very quickly. The biggest problem at this stage, I wouldn't say it's the biggest problem, but one big challenge is that currently that if, in a, if you would come to hunt in South Africa, you would like to take your trophies back to America, and we know that the challenges we have with, um, well, airlines not wanting to transport trophies anymore, and so on. Why? Because there are so many, so much pressure being put on to them to stop the mm-hmm. transport of trophies by whom? By various groups. Um, entities, whatever you want to call them, anti-sustainable use groups who want to put a stop to hunting, and now they go to the airlines to force them to stop exporting the trophies. Those organizations, those anti- or animal rights, whatever you want to call them, they stand together. Mm -hmm. That's why they're so successful. I saw it when I was, in 2019, I was in in Switzerland at CITES. And the hotel that I stayed in (laughs) also turned out to be the hotel where all these other organizations stayed in. And I saw them working together, all of them. And they didn't fight with one another. They stood together to try and get their point across. And that's what I believe us, as hunting organizations, worldwide. We need to acknowledge that there will be differences of opinion on certain issues. But we need to also stand together. And until we don't, we won't be able to influence airlines or freight companies or government about the future of hunting. And why it's important and necessary as a cultural activity, as a, as a wildlife management tool to ensure that hunting will be sustained. So that 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 I don't I might sit here two years time and I might not have achieved it, but I'm going to tell you that from my side and from our president's side as custodians, which he has shared with members at our AGM, we're going to work very hard at communicating, collaborating, promoting whatever we need to do to get that level back where organizations work together for what we believe in. And that is hunting.
3: It's got its rightful place.
1: I like it. And, um, you know, I knew that that was going to be sort of was your message and, and your role and your job. Um, and again, I'm, I'm grateful to have met you in person in Morgan's Bay and you know how to reach me. Blood Origins is here to help you help what you guys do from a communications perspective was built for you guys. It wasn't, it was just built for hunters and, um. Yeah, I appreciate you allowing me to have this conversation and putting you on the hot spot. You kept asking me, like, what what questions are you <laughs> going to ask me, Robbie? I said, ah, oh, don't worry. We'll just have a
3: conversation.
2: <laughs> oh, Robbie, you know what? When I did a lot of media interviews, but the one thing I want to normally do is I want to, I first of all look at who's going to interview me, what type of message do they bring out there, um, and those kind of things. And then I normally ask them, can you share your questions with me beforehand? And some instances, they'll even ask me to give them the questions. So this was new to me, to come in this, and and it was a sensitive topic. This whole Uh CPHC, FASA issue is a sensitive topic. And also because I've worked so long at FASA, you know, one doesn't want to come and sit here and say a lot of things that, that could once again damage relationships. Because I'd rather want to build the relationship. So thank you for the opportunity. And um, anybody who wants to know more also can get hold of me at Custodians.
1: Yeah, tell people where they can find a little bit more information about Custodians.
2: So um, our website, Custodians for Professional Hunting and Conservation, South Africa, cphc-sa um Alternatively, they can send an email if they want to find out more about us. Um, at well, I don't know all the email addresses yet, but I'm oh, admin at cphc sa or CEO at dash sa And then we've got a Facebook page and we've got a we've got an Instagram. And I still don't know whether it's under custodians or under cphc people. Must go and play around and find it. um I should make sure that I can that I know that one.
1: Well, I would recommend one thing, and I've, and I've told, this to, um, told this to a couple of people. You need to change your Instagram handle to, say, custodians of South Africa or the custodians association or something like that, because right now you, it's CHPCA. No, CHPSA. And it's, people look at that and they're like, what is that?
2: Yeah, you're right. I'll have to go and have a look and see, actually, our website and our Facebook and our Instagram. I'm not quite sure. There's still a few things that I need to find out and learn. Um, I'll immediately check that when we're done, yeah. So I know in future.
1: Thank you, Audrey.
2: Robbie, thank you very much. It was really a privilege. And um, thank you for, yeah, for sharing. Of giving me the opportunity to share some of my own ideas and then to to promote Custodians and what we stand for. Not a problem. Work with everybody out there to get this industry growing and going forward.
3: Fantastic. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening.
1: As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.